We do uh, appreciate it. Take a look in Luke 23. Uh, let me say uh, just a moment. Uh, the women's event's coming up two weeks from yesterday, and uh, the tickets are, are out there. And boy, Sharon, along with her committee, uh, they've met for hours and hours and hours. She said for me to be sure and tell you, ladies, that always there's chocolate at the events. And so there's chocolate, and the tickets for that, and it's uh, catered by Lone Palm. So it's always a great event, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ladies come to that. And now more ladies out of the community are coming to that because of the morning of great inspiration. And, and uh, so if you've not purchased your ticket yet, uh, the tables are out there. Get out there and get it. And maybe you want to purchase one for someone you know. It would be a good idea for, for a relative or a friend at work and say, boy, this lady just needs an uplift and just plan to do that. And then, let me say, I said this Wednesday night, if any of you ladies don't have the money to be able to go, I mean, it's just you know, uh, I just don't have it, then you let them know out there. And I said, and I'll personally, you know, take care of it. Um, and uh, I also said other, I know businessmen, will help me out with that. And uh, so, uh, anyway... Uh, after the service, um, I went out to the table, and we had a great move of the Holy Spirit Wednesday night and said, anybody, you know, that we know, you know, or a lady came up, and they didn't have any money, and uh, they said three. Isn't that right, Denise, the three that, that do not have? So I, I just, I don't know, I, I guess I was still under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I reached in my pocket. And I pulled out $150, and I gave it to them, and, uh, and I went in my office. The tickets are $25 a piece. When I got in my office, apparently the anointing left. <laughs> and I realized that I realized I had given them $150 instead of what was correct, $75. So I went right back out to the table, and I said, hey, um, you know, the tickets are 25, right? Yeah. I said, well, I, I think I gave, no, I, I know I gave you $150. Are you getting any change back? The ladies at that table said, nope. It's like, I mean, gracious alive. It's like, I gave you extra money. I, I need the change back. And they said, no, you know, once we get it, it it's ours. And what you just did, Pastor, is you paid for three more ladies next time. Is that not what you said? It's exactly what was said. So I told Sharon about it, expecting to get some mercy from her. You don't get anything like that, buddy. It's good. Thank you for doing that. My point is that I know there's at least three out there that are paid for. We, in other words, we want you to go and enjoy that event uh, as, uh, as a lady and then we've been fasting and praying now for two weeks. And I've got to tell you, some miracles are taking place. I received a phone call from a, a granddad uh, this past Wednesday night after church. He said, Pastor, God's answering prayer in my family. He said, my grandson called me and said, Grandpa or Grandpapa, whatever he's called, can I go to church with you Sunday? He said, Wow. You go to, yeah, sure. Why, why do you want to go with me Sunday? 
He goes, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus Christ. And he said, well, son, you don't have to wait till Sunday. We can pray right now. And he prayed that sinner's prayer. Well, that young man was in church today, amen. But he's a little born-again believer. God's beginning to move and move in a special way. And let me say this to you. There are other miracles I'm going to mention tonight because we're going to speak on the subject, journeying toward the blessing and deliverance. So I pray you will be here and we support one another because God will show up in a special, special way tonight. So please help us turn in more prayer cards. We're going to believe God that God will undertake for all of us. Luke 23, 34. How many of you know what that scripture says? May I see your hand? That's good. Four or five of you, that's good. It's one of the most extraordinary prayers found in the Bible. Now, this message today, you're going to get extremely quiet during parts of it. You're going to feel like somebody's stepping on your toes. You're just going to sense that because it is thought-provoking. It is convicting, but it is a word of admonition. And that prayer, that's the most extraordinary prayer in the Bible, is this prayer. It's simply Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them for what? For they know not what they do. Let's read it all together, everybody. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If you know the surroundings of that, that scripture was prayed, or that prayer was prayed while Jesus was hanging on the cross. The executioners of the crucifixion were a vile group of Roman soldiers. The only thing that they ever did, because they were so mean and so vile, they loved to nail people to crosses. They loved to be involved in crucifixions. They're the very ones and others who, who gambled to try to get the robe that Jesus had, of course. Thought, I can, I can have that. But they would nail and never be worried about no matter how much pain you're in. And of course they did it, and they did it often with smiles on their faith, face. They were an elite group of individuals in the Roman government and the Roman military. And they nailed Jesus to the cross. He looks out and there's just a few out there. And after that nailing, and he's there on the cross, and he knows that death is near, this is what he prays. He's innocent. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I want you to write this down. I want to see it on Facebook. I want to see it on Instagram. Here we go. You can tell a lot about a person's heart by what he prays when he has been wronged. You can tell a lot about a person's heart by what he prays, what he says, when he has been wronged. We've all been wronged. How many of you out there would say, I'm willing to admit, I've been wrong before. Raise your hand. Okay, I'll redo that. We'll just slow the message down until I get 100% participation because some of you just wronged and I am offended as a result, but I'm not going to let it get to me. I'm just going to ask the question again. How many of you have ever been wrong? Can we get a hand out there? That's good. That's a whole lot better. Now I feel so much better. And there are serial wrongdoers. They don't give two liver lips if they hurt your feelings or not. I call them serial wrongdoers. They'll do whatever they can just to get in your way to make you angry, to hurt your feelings, to create angst in your life. They'll just, they'll just do it. It happened to me the other day. I was headed in and from our home, live off Gibb Galloway Road. There was a, a refuge truck there. That's the lawn talk, by the way. 
If it's yard talk, it was a garbage truck, okay? So it was a garbage truck there. I was fourth in line. And of course, the driver and the guy out loading, a, he waved us around and three got by. I went around, getting on around, and I looked up. There was a black F-150 Ford pickup truck with 22 rims on it with black rims. And they were not slowing down at all. The other three was in, of course. He didn't slow down at all. And I thought, I thought, you know what? He's, now you know, he's not braking at all. And he wasn't, you know. So I got, I kind of goosed it a little bit. How many even know what that means? I just goosed it a little bit, got it around and got in my line and, uh, and I'm good. But when he got to me, here's what he did. He took his truck and he jerked it over into my lane. I mean, jerked it over into my lane, just like he's going to hit me head on and then jerked it back and went on and smiling from ear to ear. Do you have any idea what emotion went through me? Hello? It's like you did that on purpose. It's like you have all these thoughts. You have all these thoughts to say, I need to turn this car around and go after him. But then you have the voice that says to you, well, then what are you going to do when you get there? Hello? I want you to know that you wronged me. You almost hit me head on and you did it on purpose. Bless God. I want you to know you shouldn't have done that. He was a redneck guy. You know what redneck guy does? They have rifles and knives and pistols in their truck. Hello? All I had was a Bible. It doesn't match. Doesn't match. So I made a wise choice. I thought, okay, knowing what I'm preaching Sunday morning, I'm just going to smile and I'm going to go on. But then it dawned on me. That's about the same place the sand crane crossed the road last week. I thought, now I'm about to get hit head on. Last week, it's the sand crane. And I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it was, um, it, it was horrible. Now, listen carefully. We've all been wrong. Say it with me. We've all been wrong. Here's something else now. Unless you are perfect, you have wronged someone else. Okay? Not proud of it. I heard another minister say, because I put in, like, like he suggested, I put wrongs in three categories. So let me just go through those three categories. For example, I might be going around the hallway. I might be in the lobby. Uh, you might see me in the grocery store running errands that Sharon asked me to do, and I gladly and delightfully do it. <laughs> Y'all just wronged me. Go to the grocery store. You might see me in Walmart. I love to watch people. So you go to Walmart. You might see me there and you come up, Pastor, do you have a minute? Now, or I'm at a restaurant eating. And the chicken sandwich just got there. And the baked potatoes smoking. And someone will come up and say, do you have a minute? You know, what, what am I going to do? Some of my pastor friends would flat out say, nope, I don't. Can't you see I'm eating? Can't you see I got to grow? But not me. I'm going to say, sure. Hello? Sure. What can I do for you? And here they go. Pastor, I've been wronged. Somebody in the church, in leadership, said something to me the other day when I walked in the door, and I didn't appreciate it very much. You didn't. No, it's like it hurt me. 
And I, I just wanted to let you know, Pastor, I feel like they shouldn't have done that. And they go on. Now, I began to notice facial expressions. I began to notice the tone of voice. I began to watch for a tear. I began to go through all of those emotions. And I said, well, I, I am so sorry, but don't you know what they said? Well, I think I might as well say yes, because how many of you know you're going to hear it? So here's what, you know, she possibly said. When I walked in the door, that person said to me, boy, what are you doing here today? I don't see you here hardly at all anymore. Where you been? She said, that hurt me. I thought, oh my, help me, Lord Jesus. Now, I put that in what's called category number one. Category number one. You see, if you look at the text, then I began to say in this tone, wow, really? Really? Are you sure? Wow. Let me pray. And I pray. You see, I had another lady recently sent me a text. How dare you let, call the guy's name, so-and-so come to Victory Church. You have no idea what he's done to me and my family. He's nothing but a crook. He's a liar. He does all kind of things. He drinks all the time. How dare you let him even come into your church? And I know that he's there all the time, preacher. I want to know why you let him come. Tell me. Well, let me tell you a secret. I do not text people like that back. And I will never text people like that back. You understand? You are wasting your text at all. And then I thought, well, the last time I checked, we're not interested in the perfect people at Victory Church. Our church is not a group of perfect people. Our church is a group of misfits. Those individuals that's had trouble in life, they've sinned and they found the Redeemer and His name is Jesus Christ. And we're working our way through a better life. Somebody say amen. That's the kind of person. So lady, if you're watching today, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's, category, that's category number one that I put it in. Paul said, boy, when I do things like that, I don't know why I did, and I don't understand it. But we understand what it means this. Because some people that you know just wait to be wronged. They just wait. They hide out. But let me tell you what the Bible says. Here it is, Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. Read it with me. We are not to be easily offended. Oh, Lord, I feel liberty. Read it again. Here we go. We are not to be easily offended. Hello? Amen? In other words, if you carry your feelings on your sleeve, carry your feelings on your shoulder, you just wait, say, they didn't even say hello to me. You just look to be easily provoked. Somebody snaps at you because they're not having a good day and you just blow it up. Uh-uh-uh-uh. You know, what we're supposed to do is have the courage and the grace 
and the ability in our heart of hearts to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We're supposed to flow in the richness of the Holy Spirit. I can't believe somebody got my seat in church. I can't believe somebody pulled out in front of me in traffic. I, I can't believe because I'm having a bad day and call, just because I, I snapped at them, they snapped back at me and it really hurt my feelings. You see, you can go around all the time, have those kind of, for example, yesterday, I mean, if you're looking to get offended, I mean, my gracious alive. I went down to public. Sharon sent me on an errand, said, here's one thing that I need you to get. No man worth his salt is going to go and get one item. How many of y'all know it? I'm going to cruise down the potato chip aisle. I'm going to wheel over by the bakery. Y'all with me? I'm going to finally get what it is she wants. I'm going to check the candy bar section out. I know what some of you are thinking. Don't you even think it anymore. But I'm, I'm there, and I'm thinking, I'm always one, you know, uh, waiting. And I saw a couple come out of the grocery store, and they had their buggy, and it was loaded, and they came down that aisle, and I thought, and you, it was hard to find a parking place, and I thought, well, there they go. I'll just pull in behind them because sooner or later they got to get to their car, and then I'll have me a parking space. So I pulled in, and I sat waiting. Somebody's behind me. They want to try to come around me, and I'm looking in my mirror. I said, don't you try it. And finally, that couple, they got their groceries in the car. They turned around and smiled, looked, and then they walked back in the store. I thought, buddy, I'm just, God, you know I got what I got to preach tomorrow, and, and you're working me over. And I went on, and I found me a parking place. And as I got out of my car and I'm walking in, I promise you, right up front, not in the handicap zone, but a car backed out. And a car that just got on the campus that had not waited on anybody, it was a lady, and she pulled right in that spot, looked at me and smiled from ear to ear. I thought, lady, you don't deserve that spot. That's the spot that God wanted me to have. And I talked to God about it. Hello? And you know what he said to me? Don't complain. You need the exercise. Won't you go ahead and say amen? amen? Go ahead and wrong me. I can take it. Having a bad day. You see, here it is. When those kind of things happen, and they will, our response as believers should be, I'm going to give you a lot of room to wrong me. I'm going to give you a lot of room for me to offer forgiveness. I'm going to give you a lot of room because I'm not going to let you, because you say something to wrong me, I'm not going to let you get in me to create an angst in me that might create bitterness. So here's what we say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do to the place that we say, Father, forgive me for I know not what I do. That's category one. How many got category one? All right. Not quite enough. Let's go to category two. This is different. Category two is a little more serious. Category two is when someone may uh, come to you and may say, you know, I've got this problem in my life 
or I'm having a problem here in my marriage or I got one of my kids that we just found out last night that they're engaged in some things and I trust you and I I just need I just need to confess you know, I'm engaged in pornography I need to confess and ask you to pray for me could, could you do that and that's a friend and that friend says oh wow sure let me let me pray and you say just between us right and then a week later you find the person that you confess to they went to one of their friends and they said now can i talk to you in confidence this is really serious but you know we have a mutual friend they came to me the other day asked me you would not know what's going on but they came to me the other day and confessed and i i prayed with them but i i think you ought to know because i know you know how to pray too so would you join me in prayer and let's pray for them now let me ask you a question saints how long you think it's going to be before the person who confessed the sin is going to hear that not only does the person who they confess to, but another person and another person found it out. Amen? Now, when that happens, what do you think the person who confessed their sins, how they are going to feel? They're going to feel betrayed. They're going to feel like that you broke confidence. They're going to feel like I can't trust anyone. They're going to feel like I should have never done that. They're going to feel like, well, if I couldn't talk to that person, I, I can't talk to anybody. And it's those moments that we declare, wow, that happens. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you say, okay, but listen to me now. If that happens to you, here's what you need to do. If they come to me and say, Pastor, I confess, and that person prayed with me, and they went to someone else and, and uh, all of that, and I'm going to say, well, listen, can you, can you put that on the altar? Remember Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you do that? Can you just let's put that on the altar? And here's what I'm going to hear most of the time. Pastor, I want you to know I'm not Jesus. I'm only human, and that's far too difficult for me. I can't do it. Y'all with me? I told you to get quiet. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to say, take a look at Matthew 18. Okay, in Matthew 18, it gives us some guidance. It said, you've been wronged by an individual. You've been wronged by them. You feel like they did it on purpose. You feel like they stepped way out of line and they wronged you. It says, here's what we want you to do. We want you to talk to them in private and share the reason you feel you're wrong. Why does it say that? It doesn't want you, you've already been offended, to go to one of your prayer partners and say, you know what, this is what happened. And I'm telling you that friend betrayed me. And I'm telling you now because I'm, I'm confessing to you, I am angry, I am mad, and you're going to have to help me pray because I plan to go to them and get it straightened out. What did you just do? You violated the Bible. May I say in yard talk, you should keep your big mouth shut.
So what does he say? Go to the person in private and say, hey, you remember I confessed to you? I really counted on our friendship, and I really thought that I could trust you. But here's the word that I've got, and it made it back, and there's no way that it would come from the person who told me through another person, through another person, unless you violated our confidence. And I want you to know, I need you to help me. I don't need you to tell me why. I just need you to let me know that that was wrong. And I'm asking you again to pray for me. Do you have that kind of heart? Now let me stop right here. If you say, buddy, I've been wronged. And you say, can I talk to you in private? Matter of fact, come out and get my car. I'm going to talk to you in private. And then you light into them. I could, thought I could trust you, but I found out you are no good for nothing liar. I gave you a request and you prayed for me and then you went and told that one and that one and that one and here's what I want you to do. You're going to tell me you're sorry. That's all there is to it. And if you don't tell me you're sorry, I'm going to go out and tell some of your friends, etc. Listen, if you go to get reconciliation and then you go for the purpose of justification, for that's not what Jesus did. He could have called the Father and said, give me justification. Strike dead those that are harming me. But if you go with the heart of reconciliation, and that's what God desires, then you're going to get liberated, and you're going to get rid of bitterness. You're going to get rid of angst. You're going to get rid of anger. That will destroy you if it continues to be there. And I'll tell you how valuable that is in just a moment. And what do you do when you go to them and they say, I didn't wrong you, you jerk? I thought I would link with somebody else that offer prayer with such a great need. Well, I, I, and I'm not sorry either. The Bible says you carry your burdens and request to one another. Whew. And if they're not willing to say you're sorry after you go with a heart to reconcile, this is what the Bible says. Then, uh, then you, you go to someone else in leadership and you say, this is the case and I'd like for you to go with me. And you take them and say, here's what happened. And if that person then that you feel wronged you in the witness of another, according to Scripture, then here's what you do. You say, I am relieved because this is off my hands. And though you may never forgive me, you will never forget how you wronged me. So I'm going to love you. I've told Sharon, our kids, that when something happens to you that is offensive, you treat that person the way you've always treated them before that offense took place. 
In other words, you do not let someone else tag your emotion and drag you down to that level. You raise your head and say, God, they belong to you. You deal with it whenever you choose, however you choose. Until then, I'm going to keep on going. Come on, if you think that's good preaching, say amen, my friend. How soon, how soon should you do that? How soon should you say, I want to get it reconciled? Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. It says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, you leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What he's saying is, hey, and if you... Before you come into worship, you get that straightened out in your heart. Because he's saying the flow of worship in your life and the pure connection you have with the Father is hindered because you've got grievance and anger and bitterness. And your prayer will not flow, nor will your worship flow in its purity to the throne room of God. So he says, how do you do it? Before you engage, go take care of it. Put it under the blood. Let it go. Don't talk about it. Don't put boundaries around. If I ever see them again, I don't want to see. Don't do that. Just say, God, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And you do it now. In Romans 12, verse 18 this is what it says, 1218, so far as it depends on whom? You. Read the rest. Be at peace with all people. You know what that means? No one should be the person of grievance in your life. It is not their fault you keep carrying it. It's your choice to let them stay there. Okay, that's category number two. Here we go for category number three. I call it the deepest level of wrongdoing. You see, category number one, you know it's there. Category number two, there is a process. You got to be the keeper of your own heart and soul. But category number three means that you're a victim a victim and not necessarily a victor. I'll give you this illustration. It was Victoria Ruffalo, who lived in New York and still does. November the 13th of 2004, she was driving her car on the Long Island motorway, minding her own business, and a group of teenagers were coming the other direction. The group of teenagers, Ryan on that side of the car in the back seat, reached in a grocery bag and pulled out, pulled out a frozen 20-pound turkey. And as Victoria's car was coming this way, Ryan and his buddies coming this way, he lobbed that turkey. It hit her windshield, broke the windshield, and broke every bone in her face. It crushed her esophagus. She almost died at the scene. Many, many surgeries took place for her to be able to live, 
to rearrange her face. And you see her. You see her lips. You see right under her chin an indentation. You see the numerous places on her face where she's had one plastic surgery after another and all the bones in her face reconstructed. And you think, wow. This young 18-year-old was arrested along with the rest. Ryan is the one that threw the turkey. Of course, it came to the day to sentence. She went through agonizing pain, surgery after surgery. But she went to the courtroom that day, and it was sentencing day. She had already asked the judge if she could speak. He gave her the opportunity. She stood, and she walked over to where Ryan was. She said, Ryan, look at me. Look at my face. I want you to know there's no room in my life for vengeance. I've asked the judge to be lenient with you. And my prayer is that my generosity and my patience and my forgiveness will mature you to become a responsible individual and one filled with compassion. And hopefully, you will never do anything even close to this ever again. Ryan, I love you in Jesus' name. Ryan fell on his knees, crying, crying out to forgiveness. I'm so sorry. It was stupid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The judge was so moved that he gave Ryan six months in jail instead of 25 years in prison. You look at that and you think, well, I'll tell you what, that would not be me. I'm only human. I'm not Jesus. But here's the question that I ask myself. Do I have that kind of forgiveness in my heart? Do I, have the poten do I have the potential, as Jesus lives within me, to be able to do that? And I think that's a good question for all of us. Some of us get caught up in category, category number one. Category number two we all have people that wrong us or might say something and tell something about us. Yeah. But category number three is when you've been a true victim. Someone has raped you. Someone has created purposely that totally rearranged your life. Someone hauled off with your life savings. Someone abused your family. Do you have the ability? Oh, I'll tell you what, I will call and get me an attorney, and I'll do this, and I will sue, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. And sure, I understand all the legal maneuvers. But at the end of the day, and though that process takes place, are you able to say to the person, I forgive you? You see, we're the church, aren't we? And our behavior in response to circumstances like that is to be better than a culture that is unforgiving 
and a culture that wants to point their finger and come at you. And a culture that says no forgiveness here. You see, there's some listening online or listening here or will view it later that are easily provoked. Be better than that. Some of you live on the edge of sarcasm. You think because of all the things that's happened to you, you get sour, sarcastic. Happened to you, makes you feel that way. They'd gone through, I have a right to be that way. But that's not pleasing to God. And when you allow that to stay, here's what I know the Bible says. It is sin. And there are no big sins, little sins. They're just sins with greater consequences. But is it possible that today, because we've heard this message, that each of us in our own life, that when the Holy Spirit tagged us and said, hey, that's you, let God redeem you. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We realize that circumstances in our lives often hurt. We know that we're all going to be wronged, and we know that we're going to wrong some people. But God, if we just carry our feelings on our sleeves all the time, the only thing we're going to ever have is war. We're going to have disagreement. We're never going to be at peace. But if we're willing to have the graciousness and the mercy of Jesus that flows into our life, we've got to learn how to deal with that. And we have wonderful three illustrations this morning. Some have in this room been raped. And God, as a result of that, it's created all kinds of circumstances in their life and the reoccurring thoughts that they have because of that pain. They're not quite healed yet. But God, if they can forgive and they can lay that on the altar, and many times you'll have to do it for years, but eventually they'll come across the question, why should I allow what happened to me five years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago, why should I allow that to continue to have dominance in my life? Why should that be the focal point? So, Lord, I need forgiveness, and I lay this on the altar today, and I give you praise. So just in case, I'm going to ask all of us and those of you listening online, please repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that? Let's do that together. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ, I thank you for Jesus Christ who, died for my sins. who died for my sins. I humble myself, I humble myself. and I bring my sin I bring my problem, I bring my grievance to you, Lord. Would you move in my own heart and would you make a way where there is no way? I desire to serve you and I need to do that with a clear, clean heart. So here I am. Come in in a special way and give me the strength and the patience to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering together, shall we? Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to go to the Lord and we're going to sing one song. And you're here right now and you know God's about to pull on you. And you need to slip into this altar. 
you know in your heart of hearts, there's not another day, not tonight, not another time. But right now is the time God is speaking to me and say, get down there and pray. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need just a special word from God. As we sing this song, would you be led by the Holy Spirit and come down and then we're going to give the benediction. Please stay with us until we bring the benediction. Would you do that? Here we go. We'll wait on you just for a moment. Give myself Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, I delivered what you laid on my heart. I've not been ashamed to say what I felt you wanted me to say. I've studied and prepared, and so it flowed from my heart. I know that it will find a lodging place because it's your word, and your word never returns void. I just want to do better of the sermon and message that I preached. I want to live by it a little bit every single day. I pray you'll speak to all of our hearts. We want to be better followers and more Christ-like so that we can say with ease in every area of our lives, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and say it with a heart that's at peace. And Lord, we thank you. Forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. Be with us today throughout the afternoon, but build our faith as we come back here tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say, you got more prayer cards? Turn them in. Turn them in the lobby there at the desk. Plan to be here tonight. I know some of you don't drift in here on Sunday night, but tonight will be a special night. I want to share with you the miracles that are taking place. God bless you. Love you. Turn to somebody that you really think is good looking and say, God bless you. I myself away. Give myself away so you, you 
Give myself away so you 